Everybody, I'd like to call our meeting to order. Welcome to the Zoning Adjustments Board meeting on June 8th, 2023. I have a few things to read first that are uh, a variety of, of statements, and then we'll get into preliminary matters and roll call and get started off. It's great to see members of the public here in person. It's also great to see people attending online too. I see 17 attendees online. Um, I'll begin with a few um, mandatory statements that are important, and then we'll get into the real stuff. First, I'd like to start with a land acknowledgement statement. The city of Berkeley recognizes that the community we live in was built on the territory of the Huchun, the ancestral and unceded land of the Chochenyo-speaking Ohlone people. The ancestors and ancestors and descendants of the sovereign Verona band of Alameda County. This land was and continues to be of great importance to all of the Ohlone tribes and descendants of the Verona band. As we begin our meeting tonight, we acknowledge and honor the original inhabitants of Berkeley, the documented 5,000 year history of a vibrant community at the West Berkeley Shell Mount and the Ohlone people who continue to reside in the East Bay today. We recognize that Berkeley's residents have and continue to benefit from the use and occupation of this unceded stolen land since the city of Berkeley's incorporation in 1878. As stewards of the laws regulating the city of Berkeley, it's not only vital that we recognize the history of this land, but also recognize that the Ohlone people are present members of Berkeley and other East Bay communities today. I have a couple other things to read, the public advisory. This meeting will be conducted in a hybrid model with both in-person attendance and virtual participation available for members of the public. For in-person attendees, face coverings or masks that cover both the nose and mouth are encouraged. Face coverings will be provided by the city and available for attendees to use at the meeting. Members of commission, city staff, and the public are also encouraged to wear a mask at all times, except when you're speaking publicly or at the public comment podium. Although masking is encouraged even if you're speaking. Currently, there's no physical distancing requirements in place by the state of California. However, all attendees are requested to be respectful of the personal space of others. And should you need personal space, you can find some in this room. To access the meeting remotely, you can join from a PC, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Android device. Please use the URL that's posted in the agenda. If you don't wish for your name to appear on the screen, then you don't have to have it appear. You can use the drop-down menu and click on rename to rename yourself to be anonymous. To request to speak, use the raised hand icon by rolling over the bottom of the screen. You can join by phone also using a number on the agenda and enter the webinar ID on the agenda. If you wish to comment during public comment on the agenda using your phone, press star nine, and that basically makes it you raise your hand, and then I will recognize you to speak. So it's great, we're able to have in person, we're able to have online, it's gone pretty well and fairly smoothly so far, so that's pretty cool. Um, generally, we'll have those that are present speak first, and then we'll go online and we'll go through those who have raised their hands in the order of raised hands online. Uh, so that's it for all the housekeeping. Preliminary matters. Let's start with roll call and then we'll get right to public comment on non-agenda matters. And then we'll get to the consent calendar and the action calendar. So let's start with roll call. 
Thank you, Chair Duffy. Um, if you are present, uh, please say so and um, let me know if you have any ex parte. Commissioner Trigu? Present, no ex parte. Chair Duffy? Present, no ex parte. Vice Chair Gaffney? Present, no ex parte. Commissioner Thompson? Present, no ex parte. Commissioner Lunapara? Present, no ex parte. Commissioner O'Keefe? Commissioner Khan? Present and no ex parte, but uh, when we vote on consent calendar, I will be recusing myself from item number two, 2147 San Pablo. Thank you. Commissioner Young? Present, no ex parte. Commissioner Sanderson? Present, no ex parte. Oh, and so Commissioner O'Keefe said that she is running a little bit late, so she is planning to be here. Great. One thing I forgot to mention about being here in public is that there are these little green cards there. So if you wish to speak on an item, please fill out that little green card and then you can give it to Samantha Updegrave and she will hand it to me. And then according to the item on the agenda, I will uh, be able to call your name. So if anyone here wants to speak on an item, please do fill out a little green card and bring it on up. Sorry, I didn't mention that sooner. I'll give you a little time um, anyway. Next on the agenda, we have public comment on non-agenda matters. You can have, anyone can speak on these items that are not on the agenda. You wanna bring up anything in sh that is not on the agenda currently, you've got three minutes to speak. If anybody's here that wishes to speak, um, please raise your hand or raise your green card if it's speaking about something that's not on the agenda. Okay, is there anybody, if seeing no hands here and no green cards to speak on items that are non-agenda matters, Okay, so seeing none here, um, I, yeah, it's not on the agenda, um, but I just wanted to acknowledge the uh, tireless efforts of Kelly and Aaron. They've spoken before this body a number of times about uh, getting bird safe glass to be an actual um, codified requirement in the city, and they recently were successful, um, not as successful as they had hoped, but uh, a lot of birds' lives will be saved. and. Um, I think increasingly it's important that we learn how to share this planet where we're taking more than our fair share as uh, homo sapiens. So um, I just want to applaud them for those tireless efforts, uh, just for the record. Thank you, Board Member Khan. Are there any attendees online that wish to speak on any item that is not on the agenda? You can raise your hand. You got three minutes, all 22 of you. Nope, okay. All right, so then we're gonna move move on the agenda today. Um, 
Next, we've got the consent calendar, and we actually need to break the consent calendar into two pieces um, because board member Khan has to recuse, recuse himself from item number two on the consent calendar. But first, I just want to bring up the consent calendar that we are going to be discussing and voting on. It involves items number one, three, and four. So looking at the agenda, and I'll just let you know, item number one is the approval of the action minutes from May 11th. Item number three is 2610 Russell Street. And item number four is 1608 Beverly Place. The recommended actions are to approve the use permit for 2610 Russell, Russell and to approve the use permit on 1608 Beverly Place. So before we vote on the consent calendar, we have a public comment period. And if anybody would like to speak on any of those items that I just mentioned on the consent calendar, you can do so. And should what you're speaking about and should you be interested in pulling the item from the consent calendar for a full public hearing, you have the opportunity, as does anyone on the board here, to pull anything from consent. So all of you, if you hear something that you think is important, you want to pull it, let me know. Um, so items number one, items item number three, 2610, item number four. 1608 Beverly Place. Is there anybody here that wishes to speak um, on either of those three items? No. Okay. Any anybody on the board that wishes to speak or clarify anything on those items? Seeing none. Any attendees raising your hand that wish to speak on those three consent items only? No. Okay. So then go ahead, board member Young. Um, I just wanted to make the observation uh, regarding Russell Street and Beverly Place that, you know, these are really beautiful historic structures, and I'm really happy to move forward with approving these permits. But just make the point that, you know, if you look at the zoning, both of these lots, their um, lot coverage exceeds the maximum. And I think that that just kind of reflects how, you know, even our zoning, which its intent is to reflect the best of neighborhood fabric doesn't actually do that. So just want to point that out. That's all. Thank you, board member Young. Okay. No more comments. Then let's go to a vote. Before we do that. We need a motion. Sorry, um, go ahead. I, uh, board member O'Keefe, can you let us know if you are here and if you have any ex parte? I am in fact here. Apologies for the tardiness. Um, and I have no ex parte. Thank you. I held it back as long as I could before you get here. She's here. She's here to vote. This is great. We got a full, full board. Okay, so I'll support a motion if anyone has a motion for this. Um, I'd like to make a motion to approve the consent calendar, the three items that you mentioned. I think it's one, three, and four. You got it. Second. Okay, we have a second. All right, let's vote. Uh, was that second from Commission uh, Vice Chair Gaffney? It was from Sanderson. Thank you. I'm sorry, I was looking down and I just heard it came from there. 
Okay, so this is um, to approve items number one, three, and four on the consent calendar. Um, that's the action minutes, 2610 Russell and 1608 Beverly. Commissioner Trigub? Aye. Chair Duffy? Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney? Yes. Commissioner Thompson? Yes. Commissioner Lunaparo? Yes. Commissioner O'Keefe? Yes. Commissioner Khan? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. And Commissioner Sanderson? Yes. Thank you. Okay, the motion passes. Now we're moving to the second portion of the consent calendar, which is number two. Item number two, and item number two only. And Commissioner Khan, you'll need to step Board out member. of the room, please. You got to disappear step out for a no? consent item. Oh, okay. Because it's not a public hearing. Got it. So good to have you here and your expertise and wisdom. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Okay. Item number two, 2147 San Pablo Avenue. If Is there anyone here that wishes to speak about that item on the consent calendar? No. Is there anyone on the board that wishes to speak on item number two? No. Anybody online, all 22 attendees, raise your hand if you wish to speak on 2147 San Pablo. No, you're making this way too easy for me. So um, I would just like to state that this is to continue the use permit and not approve the use permit for 2147 San Pablo. That's the item uh, number two. So seeing no public comment and no board comment, then I'll support a motion. If anyone has one. I'll make a motion. <laughs> um, I would like to move item number two on the consent calendar. Thank you, board member Gaffney. Is there a second? Board member Thompson. I'll second, second that motion. All right. We have a, a motion to uh, continue the use permit of 2147 San Pablo. We have a we have a motion. We have a second. Let's vote. Great. And just to clarify, this is to continue to a date certain to August 10th hearing. Commissioner Trigub? Aye. Chair Duffy? Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney? Yes. Commissioner Thompson? Yes. Commissioner Lunapara? Yes. Commissioner O'Keefe? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. Commissioner Sanderson? Yes. Do I have to say Commissioner Khan? Refused. You're not here. Okay. Refused already. He's literally coloring right now. Thank you. Okay. It's <laughs> like <laughs> just in his own world, recused. Okay. So now we're moving to the action calendar. We've got two items on the action calendar item number five, 974 Euclid, uh, an appeal. And then we've got item number six, 3030 Telegraph Avenue. So let's begin with uh, 974 Euclid. And um, let's begin with, I guess, it's Simone Stoker is here to present. Um, I might just pop in the back room and grab her real quick. Cool. Great.
Now, just if if uh, just to be clear and jog my memory again, it's staff will give a presentation on the appeal, and then the appellant gets to speak, right? And then the applicant gets a rebuttal, correct? I think, and Charles or Commissioner Khan, correct me if I'm wrong. It goes staff, applicant, appellant. Um, my understanding, and Shoshana can correct me if I'm wrong, is that in an appeal, it's mm -hmm. being brought here by the by appellant, the appellant so and they, they go speak first. first. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Staff first. Staff and appellant. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> go team. Thank you. So this is for 974 Euclid, and it's the appeal of the zoning officer's decision to approve the AUP to construct a 420 square foot two-car garage, approximately 17 feet in average height, with a car lift within the front half of the lot. Who would have thought that the in-person would now is like the hard thing? Mm -hmm. We're working it out. They they I I know I know it's gonna work. Getting good at this.
I'm so sorry. For some reason, her share screen isn't working. So I'm going to run this presentation for her. Really appreciate everyone's patience. Thanks for your patience, everyone. We are working on it and it's gonna work. So we're just having some difficulties sharing the presentation. We want to make sure everybody can see the presentation. So sorry. Bear with us. I've actually lost my entire Zoom feed. And anytime I try to do anything, it says I'm going to end the webinar. So, Ryan's going for it. We uh, got the plan C. I see it's something. Going. It's going. You got it? Okay. This is very unusual. This is our like first major Zoom not working since the pandemic started. You're great. You're doing great. Smell. Is this yours? No, that's not. That's the applicant. Can you send him? Almost there. We're, We're almost there. We're going to get there. That's good. I would offer to tell jokes, but my jokes aren't very funny. I'm doing great. I know it's going to work. You get her? We still see your screen as a restructured photo. Yeah. It's traveling through email right now. It's going to show up and it's going to get on the screen. We're good. Okay. All right, we got, got it. it up. Thank you for your patience, everybody. It's not on the right slide. There we go. Thank you, Samela. 974 Euclid Avenue. Okay, we're ready to go. Thanks for your patience, everyone. Thank you, Samantha. You're awesome. 
Okay, well, let's go. Into the mic. Oh, we Into need the a mic? mic for you. Into the microphone. Uh, there you go. No. No. The project being appealed tonight is the zoning officer's decision to approve an administrative use permit to construct a 420 square foot, two-story accessory structure greater than 14 feet in height within the front setback of 974 Euclid. The subject property is located in the R1H zoning district, mid-block on Euclid Avenue. It is one block west of Craigmont Avenue and has two bus stops that is served by the AC Transit Line 65. The surrounding area is composed of one to three story single family dwellings and has mature street trees and vegetation. Along the side of the street, parking is generally provided in detached and attached lo um, garages located close to the front line due to the downhill slope from the street. This is an aerial view that shows the appellant, um, I'm sorry, the applicant's property at 974 um, Euclid Avenue, as well as the appellant's property at 972 Euclid Avenue. The project approved by the zoning officer would construct a 420 square foot, two car garage on the northeastern portion of the lot near the front and side lot lines that is 16 feet and 10 inches in, um, in average height. The proposed garage is 20 feet wide by 21 feet deep with a single car garage, I'm sorry, single car door and interior car lift to provide parking for two motor vehicles and would be assessed by a new 10 foot wide curb cut and driveway. The placement would accommodate a mature magnolia tree in the right of way to the north of the structure, as well as three mature birch trees on site behind the proposed garage. The appellants state the proposed garage is too tall and would block light to their property. Shadow studies provided by the applicant shows that the proposed garage would cast new shadows on the appellant's residence on a time on a limited area and will shade two windows that serve habitable, um, habitable space for a limited time during the winter time, which is a few hours of the morning. During other times of the year and in winter evenings, no new shadows would be cast on the neighboring dwelling. There is also a tall street tree located between the two sites. The accessory structure will not result in a significant loss of direct sunlight on a budding residence and will not and would not be detrimental. Based on the information provided, the accessory structure will not result in a significant loss of direct sunlight on a budding residence. Staff recommendation for 974 Euclid is to approve AUP ZP2022-0134 and dismiss the appeal. Thank you, and I am available for any questions. Thank you. Board Member Tregu. Thank you, um, and great job, staff, with the presentation, with fixing all the technology bugs. Um, I... Um, 
had a question um, on table two. Um, the natural gas prohibition is checked. No, I assume that should be a yes based on the explanation. Is that yes, correct? That was an error. Right. My apologies. Boys, I mean, I don't know how much um, <laughs> it's relevant to a garage, but no, um, just checking. Um, <laughs> But I was curious um, if you could explain the lift situation, um, since it's a two-car garage. So does the proposal include a lift to fit additional vehicles? Yes, like how would that work? Just the two. Just the two. Mm -hmm. What? So what is the reason for the lift? I like, is it a car lift? Oh, that might be a question for the applicant. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Are there any other questions from the board to staff? Board Member Young. Yes. Um, in the section about um, building uh, requirements, I think the setbacks had actually the height limits. So I was just wondering if you knew what the the setbacks are the right side setback um proposed is five feet and um do you have the document in front of you just give me one second people for I would just like to note on the downhill sloping lots setbacks are really tricky. Yeah. How do you drive a car across a 20 foot bridge of a 20 foot setback to get into a garage? You just, don't. just posing that question. You drive off the street and you drive in your garage is what you do. And if you look at the buildings on a lot of those downward sloping lots, that's what you do. Can you please repeat your question? Oh, um, I just wanted to ask clarification on the rear and um, right side setbacks, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, page seven of the development standard summary. That's um, the reason for the AUP is to exceed those. So the rear setback would not be affected and the side setback, the building should be within it and there's no they they wouldn't touch the car would just go straight in so it's it's conforming on the side setback that that's all we needed great thanks Samala. any other questions for staff if not, then next we have a presentation. Thank oh. you. We have a presentation from the appellant. I'm sorry, what? Uh, Board Member Trego. Sorry. Um, oh, you I got did, another uh, question. I did have a question oh, on the setback. Um, now that I'm looking at it, um, proposed five feet permitted between four feet and 10 feet from the lot line. Can you explain the between the four to 10 feet and what if five is less than 10, why there is a need for an AUP? Do you want, did you want me to take that? You looked at me. Um, so the um, 
The allowances for accessory structures and buildings, um, and they're allowed in the setbacks, but where they can go um, is determined by how tall they are. And so an accessory structure that is 10 feet or less in average height um, can be between zero to four feet of a lot line. Uh, I'm going off memory, um, which I never do. And then I believe the next, um, the, the next level is from four to 10 feet. An accessory structure can be 12 feet in average height. And then after 10 feet can be 24 feet in average height anywhere on the lot. And then there are um, the ability to get an AUP to deviate from those standards. So it, it's a funny setback based on the average height of the structure. Yeah, so it's the height that controls, not the, well, it's the, the setback is a function of the height. Yes. Got it. Yeah, Thank depending you. on how tall it is, determines where it can be located without an AUP. Correct. I have one final question, hopefully. Um, some AUPs are just discretionary AUPs, and if it seems reasonable, staff can approve them. Is this one of those, or are there specific uh, conditions that must be met for the AUP to be uh, acceptable? Do you know? Well, Smella has my staff report. <laughs> my copy, I need to look, I'm so sorry. Uh, everything has to meet the non-detriment finding. And... What I'm specifically looking for here, Samantha, is that there mean. are AUPs when you've got a steep site, mm -hmm. you, can, you can grant it. And I don't know if that's the case here or not. So, yes, there are. So there is the non-detriment finding and then um, the findings under 2330406060 um, related to sunlight, air, privacy, and views. Okay. for accessory buildings and structures okay, that deviate from standards. Thank you. No more questions for staff. Then the appellant can begin their presentation. Welcome. Um, could we use um, to mail that some lights? Because it shows the same information that, that I'm going to be talking about. Have you got the presentation on your computer? Yeah, I can pull. I can pull something out. Yeah, you know that one with the that shows with shadows. Sure. I just wanted to, to talk about. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. My my name is Chris Buckley. Um, I'm at nine seven two Euclid Avenue, which is the property right next to nine seven four, which is the the um, appellants who want to build a garage. Um, the issue we have is with the height of this building. Uh, we don't dispute that that um, our neighbors might need to build a garage. We just like them to make it a bit lower uh, and less obtrusive than uh, than the one they're proposing. Um, the plans were originally shared with us back in September by the architect, uh, and we made the same comment at that time and just said, um, we don't object to this in principle, just just make it moderate the market, please. 
um, and that hasn't happened so far. So on the screen at the moment, you can see drawings that were prepared by the architect who designed the project. Um, and you've got the proposed garage uh, in, in the center of each of these um, sketches. Uh, and our property is on the left um, and the applicant's property is in the center. And what these diagrams are showing is the, the shadows at various different times of year. Now, um, our neighbor's property lies due south of ours, directly south of ours. And they're proposing to put the structure um, five feet um, inside their property line. Um, now, the sun generally comes from a southerly direction. And at the moment, our, our garden, particularly at the top end, gets a reasonable amount of sun. We've got some trees and vegetation, but there's enough sunlight to, to grow some plants and flowers. Um, with this proposed structure, um, 17 feet high on average, um, it's going to make the garden a lot darker. And in the winter months, um, the shadow will directly fall on the, the side of our house. So we, we won't see the, the sunrise anymore in the, uh, in the winter months. Um, so overall, it's going to make our lives um, a lot darker. Um, the other related issue to this is, is that um, a 40, a 17 foot high on average garage, uh, double decker with a hoist is something that I've never seen the like of in, in our neighborhood before. There are no two-story garages with, with hoists in them. I've never seen anything like it. Um, most of the garages have entrances which are nine or 10 feet high uh, and have a flat roof or a slightly pitched roof. And something like that would be perfectly acceptable to us. Um, for perspective, um, the, the, the big red buses where I come from in London are 14 feet high. So what our neighbors are proposing to do here is the equivalent of, of building a platform in their garden and parking a big red double-decker London bus on it. And that's the kind of impact that it's gonna have on our, our garden and our lives. So we're simply saying, um, please revise these plans, have a, take another look at it um, and figure out how you can make this garage the same as all the other garages in the, in the neighborhood, a reasonable height, um, nine or 10 feet would be, would be perfectly acceptable to us. Um, that's it, I think. Sandra, have I missed anything out? That's it. Yeah, a view alike and what have you. Question for the opponent. Christopher Buckley, thank you. I appreciate it. If there are any questions from the board, board member Khan. Um, so your request is to reduce the height, to reduce the shadow impact on your home. Yes. Um, and from the, and you, you described it as a two-story building, what would be from the ground? Like, you know, if I drove the car in the internal dimension, I mean, typically you have, you know, eight, nine foot ceiling in a single story and then. They've got a little bit of a gable, so a couple more feet. So if that interior dimension were, say, 11 feet or so, would that be acceptable to you? Um, probably, yeah. I okay. think, I think that's, that that's what I wanted to hear. Thank yeah. you. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a question about the shadows. Um, looking at the diagram that's on my screen right now, um, it looks like the shadow, the only one of these is. Um, that cast a shadow on your house is the December, uh, I assume that's at the solstice at sunrise. Um, I was wondering, you must have 
researched this quite a bit, since this is an issue that's important to you. Um, uh, the sunrise is about 7.30 a.m. on the mm. solstice. Like, do you know what time the shadow leaves your house in the solstice with this projection? Like, is I, it like 8.30? I don't know exactly, but my feeling is it would be, it would be on the front of the house for, for a couple of hours in the morning. You haven't um, done that analysis? It's, it's easy to look that up. You haven't done that analysis to see like how long the shadow would actually be on your house. I, I haven't. I, 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 I'm not a geometric specialist. I think it would require some advanced math. Oh, no, there's a website. You can look it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can look up how um, that you can look up things that make it help you figure it out. Okay. I was just wondering. Thank you. Any other questions from the board? Go ahead. Board member Thompson. Um, I had a question on, I'm trying to imagine what it would, look like from the front um so 972a is a is a the next door accessory unit right um what what 972a is is a basement apartment underneath our house okay okay so that so from but from the street you see is is that what how does the 17 foot and you proposed a different foot height and what was that again i was it 12? I, I, I'm looking at uh, gardens in our neighborhood, sorry, garages in our neighborhood. Okay. And some of them have a, a nine foot uh, front entrance height. So from 17 to nine? Um, I think the front of the garage they're actually proposing is 14 feet. 14, okay. And then it, at the back, it's 21 and the average is 17. Okay. So if they could reduce it from, from 14 to nine or 10, that would be, you know, that would do it for Th us. Thank you. And I just want to be clear, and I have a question for you, just to be clear then, you, there are no studies that show the difference between a 14-foot height versus a 10-foot height. Is that right? Right now? We have no study, okay. direct shadow study, but, but you know, based on, on uh, what we can see and what we could imagine, you know, we'd rather honestly have no garage at all, but, you know, we are prepared to, to compromise on, the, on that. Thank you. Any other questions? Seeing none, then we'll move to the applicant's presentation or comment if they're here. Great. Welcome. Um, is there somebody who can show me how this works? Samantha's coming and she knows how it works. Guys are in trouble if I'm the tech support. <laughs> She's amazing. Can you share her presentation? Yes. And what name's all? What's her name? Lori Pichon. Yeah. And that was the one that you had put up earlier. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let us get that scroll up. Great. There we go. We've got it up. 
Great. Um, okay. Hi, welcome. And if you could speak into the microphone, that would be great. Then everybody can hear you. Hi, um, I just wanted to welcome. respond to an earlier question about why the car lift. Um, the owner works on vehicles and the lift would allow him to park two stacked cars, but also work on the underside of his cars. Um, he also is a cyclist and wants to use the garage to store bicycles as well. Um, okay, so let's get oriented here. The garage is sited in the northeast corner of the property, five feet from the north side property line and one foot three from the east property line. The fence along the north is shared with 972 Euclid. Their accessory structure roof is visible in the top left photo. Um, a new sloped driveway will sit approximately where the old driveway in front of the magnolia is. If you can see that in the lower right, the tree is the magnolia and right in front is a concrete driveway that will be removed, but the new driveway will be approximately in the same location, just a little bit um, further towards the viewer. Most of the existing curb in front of the property, which is a long frontage will remain. And Euclid right now is in demand for parking for the neighbors, deliveries, and um, and visitors as well. Uh, this is the the section. I believe there was a slide before that. Oh, site plan. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Um, the applicant's property is in the blue box in the lower left, and you can see that there's, um, from the photos, there's an extensive tree canopy. There are some tall trees on the property and adjacent, and even um, down the street, there are tall pine trees. The Magnolia Street tree does currently cast a shadow onto 972 in the morning and winter. Uh, the site plan shows existing steps and terracing on the property and all of that will remain with the exception of some of the terracing will have to be removed for the new garage. So this shows the section, um, you can see it's a steep site. That is one of the constraints. So to have, um, in order to do the driveway, which cuts across the sidewalk, the maximum slope of the driveway can be 15% and the cross slope of the sidewalk 2% and then it levels out 
to the slab. So there's a drop off between the front of the garage and the back of about um, seven feet at the most. Just so you know, there's one minute left. Okay. <laughs> These are photos of accessory structures on either side. You can see that the accessory structure at 972 is about 15 feet high. Um, the one at 978 is a bit lower. And this is a comparison of um, what we're proposing on the left and the massing or facade of the existing accessory structure at 972, and they're comparable in height. Mm -hmm. This is the shadow study. Um, there's a, a shadow that falls on the house in the winter for a couple of hours, and beyond that, um, there's not any significant shadow and I should note that the existing trees on the site and adjacent sites currently cast shadow in the morning in winter. Okay, thank you and your time is up and if anyone has questions for you then they can ask and we can learn sure. the rest of anything that you have to share. Go ahead board member. Um, same question I had for the um... Appellant, uh, do you know, since you did the shadow or you commissioned the shadow study, do you know what time the shadow leaves the appellant's house in, at the solstice? Um, or how many hours does it cast the shadow? Yeah, so if sunrise is at 7.30, uh, two hours later would be 9.30. And by noon, you can see, um, if you go back a couple of slides, that the shadow has already moved to the, the right quadrant of the property. Right, I can see that, but I, I think it would be off the building quite a bit earlier than noon, but I was wondering if you had that information. I don't know exactly when in that time period. Um, okay. So I don't have an answer. Yet. I did some geometric estimating and I, I estimate 10.30 a.m., but that's just a guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so by your estimation, then the shadow would be cast on the house for one hour. Three hours. And I have a I have a question. Mm -hmm. Um, do you know the the height of that street tree that casts a shadow currently, or approximate height? Um, it's probably twelve feet. That's an estimation. The existing street tree that's planted on the sidewalk? The magnolia. The magnolia, thank you. Any other questions for the applicant? Board Member Dragoob and then Board Member Sanderson. Uh, thank you. Uh, so thanks for explaining the reason for the lift. Um, just um, curious, like um, in terms of clearance, um, you've ascertained that is kind of maybe the minimum amount of clearance for someone to be able to comfortably and safely work on their vehicle and perhaps store a bike in there. Just wanted to confirm 
that you're yes. economical um, with the height. Yeah, if we can go back to the section briefly, um, there's a, a red rectangle in the section and that represents the clearances for the lift. Um, there's actually a foot between the top of the lift and the underside of the ceiling and several feet on the side of um, the controls, which are in the front left. So the southeast, south, sorry, southwest corner of the garage. So the owner will be able to operate the lift and step back into the, the garage. There was a corridor there. Board member Sanderson. I, I want to continue that discussion. We've seen a lot of lifts in commercial properties, and usually there's all different kinds. Mm -hmm. And usually there's one spot empty so that they can shuffle all the other spots around. Mm -hmm. In this case, the lift goes up and down. Correct. It's, it's, it's not a horizontal movement at all. It's only up and down. So if you drive in, um, the lift goes how do you how do you get the spots to exchange so that if I drive out and there's another car on the top lift, how does it get down to street there, level? Um, in in the southwest corner of the lift, there's a control, so you manually operate it to raise it and lower it. Right, but if if there's two cars in these two slots it's tandem you, yeah you they, they you have to pull one out to drop the other one down you need to oh, you drive the lower the car out. spot open when it goes down it disappears you have to pull the car out and then you can drop it ah uh, okay thank you yeah and they call these valet lifts you'll see them sometimes in parking lots where um, you have to drive a car out to move the next one out they're called a va valet lift and they don't puzzle or shift around you just got to pull out the bottom one before you can take the top one down. But you don't have a a, a pit to lower that no empty pit. one in. Correct. So does the bottom part collapse? And so you just have one? It's so it collapses in some way. Okay. That was my mystery. Yeah, Thank if, you. If you're interested, it's the Bend Pack HD9. You can look it up. Okay. I think she wants to buy it. No, I just, I love car lifts, you know, they save so much space in the city. And uh, it was a long time. Yeah, it's a long time coming that they were accepted uh, even by this board way back. So, you know, now we take them for granted, but anyway, thank you. <laughs> Any other questions for the applicant? Um. Board member Sorry, one more. Yeah. Um, you mentioned EV charging infrastructure, and I'm I'm just curious because I think we're going to see a lot more of this. Um, where um, where will the EV charging infrastructure um, sit with respect to the vehicles? Is it front of the garage, side? Like um, uh, you explained it in terms of the lift. And I was curious, does it have something to do with the variable height or were you just talking about? They're, they're unrelated, but it, the charger will go 
on the um, west wall, the interior west wall. So okay. the front towards the house, the wall it, closest to the house. It will lift together with the vehicle. Um, I don't think you can do both at the same time. Okay. It can't be charging as you're working on the car. Which I guess that may make sense. I've, I've, I've done that before. <laughs> no, I, I've done that before. We've done it on lifts before where you can lift a car and keep it plugged in. And that you can plug in a car and they can move up and down a lift. Like right now, I have an electric car. I have a 24-foot long plug. I would plug it in. I'd lift it up. I'd work on it. Let it down. They can be independent systems if you want. I don't know if this is, but they can be. Okay. Any other questions? Seeing other questions for the applicant, we'll now move to public comment. If there's anybody from the public here that wishes to speak, I don't have a green card, so there's nobody here. Any attendees online that wish to speak, you can raise your hand. If not, okay, then seeing none, now we must vote to close the public comment period. So moved. So moved, okay. And we have a second, okay. Um, so we need to, we need to uh, actually roll call to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't. Thank you. Okay. Voice votes. All those in favor of closing the public comment period, say aye. 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 All those against, aye. say nay. Okay. Public comment is closed. Now we can discuss amongst ourselves. Go so ahead, Board Member Khan. Out of respect for everybody's time, um, we spent a lot on this already. Uh, I would just like to go ahead and make a motion. We can discuss the motion and and then uh, vote on it, hopefully, uh, that we approve the AUP uh, as as approved by Samala. I think she did a great job of analyzing it, and I agree with all of her findings. I'll second. We have a second by Board Member Young, and a motion by Board Member Khan. And now we can discuss the motion. And I would like I would like to do I would like to say why I made the motion because I understand that Chris took his time and and money to appeal this and and obviously felt strongly about it in order to bring it before us tonight um we can only deny this if uh through a finding of significant detriment and the uh having a shadow on your house for a couple of hours a day uh in the middle of winter um in my mind does not rise to that level so that's why I'm personally voting for it. I also find that you having a garage of larger proportions than this one, to be ironic at the least, when you're protesting your neighbor getting the same uh, privileges. So that's, uh, but, but apart from that, I would be voting for it. So I want you to understand my reasons for doing it. And I, I certainly uh, would rather you not have any shadow in your home ever if you don't want it. Although sometimes it's nice to get a little shade. So that's why I'm doing it. Any other comments on the motion from the board? Seeing none, then we can move to a vote. Okay, thank you. This is to approve the for 974 Euclid Avenue to approve the administrative use permit and dismiss the appeal. Commissioner Trigub? Aye. Chair Duffy? Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney? Yes. Commissioner Thompson? Yes. Commissioner Lunapara? Yes. 
Commissioner O'Keefe? Yes. Commissioner Khan? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. Commissioner Sanderson? Yes. The motion passes. The AUP is upheld. Okay. And I just want to say something to Samala. Is this your first presentation before the board? You did a great job, and we look forward to seeing you again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you. Your, your inaugural tech difficulties. So it's all easier from here. Thank that, you. Yes. Board Member uh, Sanderson. This, this decision by Zab is appealable to the council, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Thank you. This decision by Zab is appealable to the city council. Within the next 14 days, is that right? For 14 days after the notice of decision. That's right. Thank you. Um, is issued, which is usually within one to two weeks. Thank you. So it's not 14 days from now. Once the notice of decision Correct. has been mailed, Perfect. then we the 14 day appeal period starts and you can appeal to city council. Thank you, board member Sanderson. Go team. All right, we've got item number six on the action calendar. The last one of the day, 330 Telegraph Avenue. We have Allison Reamer uh, presenting on behalf of staff. Great. Okay. Welcome, Allison Reamer. I don't see you in the room, so you are presenting virtually. I see you. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Hi. All right. Uh, well. Oh. Okay, there we go. All right, so um, I'm Alice Kramer. Uh, use permit ZP 2022-0170 is to demolish a one-story medical office building and two, two duplexes containing four units and construct a five-story mixed-use building with 1,550 square feet of commercial area and 140 for dwelling units, including eight below market rate units, seven very low income and one low income using a state density bonus. The project site is on the Southwest corner of Telegraph Avenue and Webster Street. The surrounding area consists of a mix of commercial and residential uses, including two-story single and multifamily residences, a full service grocery store, hospital and medical offices. Uh, the project site is developed with a one-story medical office building and two duplexes, four units total, that have been, been vacant for more than five years. A surface parking lot is on the parcel at the northeast corner. The site currently has an access easement off Halcyon Court, which allows for commercial traffic access from Telegraph Avenue through the parking lot to the Halcyon Court neighborhood. So the proposed project would demolish the one-story medical office building and the four dwelling units and the surface parking lot to allow construction of a five-story mixed-use building with 144 dwelling units, which are 95 studios, 34 two-bedroom, and 15 four-bedroom units uh, with 1,550 square feet of commercial space, a bicycle storage room, for 40 bicycles on the ground floor and an additional bicycle shed for another 
40 bicycles in the courtyard towards the rear of the site. A total of four off-site short-term bicycle racks would be located along uh, Webster Street and Telegraph Avenue. Uh, seven new replacement street trees would be planted along Webster and Telegraph, along with new landscape screening uh, along the western rear site boundary. Use of open space would be about a little bit more than 5,000 square feet in the U-shaped ground floor courtyard uh, towards the rear half center of the site. So the applicant has requested a density bonus under the state density bonus law. Under the city's density bonus procedures, the base project is 126 units. So that's the maximum allowable density for this site. The four-story base project and the resulting five-story proposed project both have an average unit size of 628 square feet by providing seven very low income, below market rate units on site, which is 5% of the 126 unit base density. The project is eligible for a 20% density bonus for 26 additional units. The applicant proposes 18 additional units above the base density for a total of 144 dwelling units. To accommodate the additional units, the project would use three waivers. Staff recommends that the ZAB approve the use permits. Thank you. Thank you, Allison Reamer. Are there any questions? Board Member Tregu. Yes, thank you. Um, first, just wanted to confirm this is a zero car parking project, correct? Yeah, yes, no car parking. Um, I was curious, and I know um, the, the inclusionary ordinance has changed since I last really more closely paid attention to it. Um, at that time, there seemed to be almost a 50-50 split between very low income and low income unit allocations. Um, I'm very happy to see a seven to one split. I was just curious, um, and maybe this is a question for uh, Samantha, um, how that, like how, what is the formula that determines the, that it's seven very low income and one low income unit? I, Allison, I think you can probably. That's, that. yeah, related to the, density bonus and then the replacement of units. Um, yeah, so yeah, the seven very low income is just like by providing 5% of the base project, which happens to be seven very low income units, they're entitled to a 20% density bonus. So this comes from state density bonus procedures. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. And my last question is, um, I saw that there were recommendations from the rent board put in. And while um, it has been determined that these units have not been available for rent the last five years, um, what was the rationale behind not including the rent board's recommendations? as part of the conditions of approval. Oh, wait, 
they were at it. Um, so it's a starts with I think it's just a condition of approval fifteen. It talks about tenant protections and relocation assistance. So if any unit at twenty three thirty to thirty six Webster Street is rented before the build the buildings are demolished, you know these conditions would apply. I see it. Thank you so much. I missed that. I was looking for it later on in the conditions. Thank you very much. I missed it too. Now I see it. Hey, board member Sanderson. So I understand where this is on the number of um, uh, affordable units. I understand where why there are seven because that gave them uh, for very low. That gave them the twenty percent that they needed, and that's it worked for them. Um, so the eighth unit um, is that because. Uh, they just wanted one, or is that required by our local um, density bonus and our local affordable housing request? Where did that um, I'm not quite sure. I could look into that, and also maybe the applicant would more easily know that number because it's not. Yeah. So on the yeah. table five in the discussion on page thirteen mm -hmm. talks about their twenty percent would give them twenty six additional units, but the applicant proposes eighteen additional units. Mm -hmm. So. They didn't take their full density bonus, am I correct? Yes, that's true. Okay. And there was some place in here, and I can't find it now, that talked about certain number being short-term rentals. And is that, um, I haven't seen that, I don't think, in a staff report for it. So short-term rentals? I may have misread. Why don't I go and okay. find it? And you guys go okay. on again. Yeah. Was it bicycle uh, parking? Because it says residential short term. Oh, the short term. Well, yeah. Not that too, but then yeah, I. Yeah, those are like the ones on the street. Good catch. Go team. Thank you. Any other questions from the board to staff? Seeing none, we'll now move to the applicant. The applicant is here in person. They have stood up. Welcome. Hi. Just so you know, you have five minutes. Are you logged in to the Zoom meeting? Should you Lisa Okay. Okay, you moved over. I think that's his camera.
Okay. Good evening, board members. Um, my name is Lisa Vilhauer. I lead our entitlements and design for RIA's Capital. Um, also with me this evening behind me is Chris Batson, who's our development associate on the project. I have Scott Thompson with Left Coast Architecture here, and then our civil engineer, landscape architect, and um, also our planning consultant are on the Zoom. So if there's any further questions, we can't answer those. Um, just really excited to introduce this project to you. So I'm gonna dive in, do a little introduction of RIA's Capital first. So RIA's Capital is a Bay Area real estate developer and asset management company that creates and manages innovative entry-level and student housing. We've operated in the Bay Area for over 20 years. We currently have 1,500 units that we own and manage, and then we have about 1,700 units under development right now. We currently are focusing on building for middle-income earners. So with that, like I said, our goal is to build this flexible and functional and economical residences that'll hopefully house these East Bay residents for decades to come. Um, to achieve this, we minimize our non-housing housing costs. So with this project, you won't see a concrete podium or any garage parking. Um, this allows us to build the housing you know, for nurses, construction workers, teachers, first responders, government employees, and retail restaurant employers. Um, you'll see here, this is kind of a breakdown of our typical residents. So on average, we actually have residents, the average age is about 32 years old. The average income is $72,000. Um, their rent to income ratio is 33%. And then about 74% of them are non-tech employees. This is just a couple of our recently completed projects for you see, to see both in Oakland. Uh, now to dive into the 3030 Telegraph project. So this project is directly across from the Whole Foods on Telegraph Avenue. Um, as Allison mentioned, it is a former medical office and then two duplexes that have actually been vacant since 2004 and were used as medical offices prior to that time. Uh, the project site is zoned corridor commercial um, and the zoning does not require residential parking. And then I'm sure you guys have heard AB 2097 this site is within half a mile of transit and does not require commercial parking anymore either. Um, the site is listed as an opportunity site in the city of Berkeley's general plan housing element. We also wanted to show kind of, you know, Telegraph, as you're very aware, is a major corridor in Berkeley. Um, and throughout it, there are developing buildings and existing buildings that fit kind of with the height that we're proposing. So you can see here kind of the different colors are representing six stories, five stories, four stories, and three stories. And our building is here in this green and it is five stories. Um, little information on the project. I know you guys just heard all this, but it's five stories, 63 feet tall, a mixed use building with retail on the corner at about 1,500. Uh, square feet. It is 144 residential units, does have the seven very low and one low, and that is because of the SB 330 replacement units. So although those duplexes have been vacant for, you know, well, almost 20 years, we are doing replacement units that are equivalent for that. That comes from the CHAS data, and you do a proportion of how that works. Um, you'll also see we're doing new landscaping, 
within the project along the project right away. And then we're also looking at a mural um, that will be part of the project. Just wanted to walk through some of the project benefits that do go towards the city. So as I mentioned, 144 units of new rental housing, um, seven of which are the deed restricted. It, we will pay $4.8 million on top of that to the affordable housing mitigation fund. We're doing a $310,000 payment to the Berkeley Unified School District. And then I mentioned the mural, we will also be paying the $250,000 contribution to public art fund. Um, and we still want to include the mural. Um, we try to include art on all of our projects. Um, and then we also have about approximately when the project is built out, it'll be about $600,000 in property tax payments to the city of Berkeley. Just so you know, you've got about 30 seconds okay. left and then we can fire questions away at everything okay. else that's important. I'm gonna turn it over um, to Scott to okay. run through. Um, just, yeah, we can. I'll, I'll talk super quick. Uh, Scott Thompson with Left Coast Architects. Um, I think staff and Lisa both did a good job kind of going through the big picture and maybe I'll leave any other questions, leave it for questions. Um, we did meet with the design review and I'll just kind of briefly touch on that. I know that's not the purview of this committee, but just a few familiar faces. Um, and just know that we're going to be going back and we're starting to address their comments. We appreciate a lot of the comments that um, we've heard from the neighbors. We've met with them and they were at the last hearing. So we're working kind of through that process as well. You know, obviously not part of this purview, but wanted to kind of get it out there. So bigger, bigger, bigger picture. So some of the comments we've had and addressed um, there. And if you have any other questions on kind of the architecture from a plan standpoint, um, more questions. Thank you. Well done, 30 seconds, okay. <laughs> we got questions for you, so we'll get to talk about it. Um, board member Tregu. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about the public comment uh, later. Um, I was just curious, um, and I'm glad to hear, um, there's that one low income unit. I was just curious, you're saying that's a replacement for one of the, so there were four there were four units that are being demolished. So where does the one come from? Correct. So you are able to, I'm going to use the word double dip. So you are able to use your so the way it works is you take the CHAS data, which takes what the income is across Berkeley, and that splits it into low, very low, and anything above moderate. So moderate and you know the median income, everything like that. So those three categories, the majority of those are within the very low category. And we are able to use both the density bonus units that are very low, as well as the CHAS for the replacement. So I believe there's three very low replacement units, mm -hmm. one low, or it might be two, one, one, I'd have to check it to double. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, board member O'Keefe. This is more just personal curiosity, but um, the payment to the Berkeley Unified School District, is that mandated? Um, yes. I, I haven't seen that before. What is that? What is the name of that? that like, is it the something fund or? Uh, I feel like I haven't seen that before, but I must have because I've. It's, um, it's required at the, the building permit mm -hmm. um, before we issue a building permit. And it's completely separate from the planning department. Okay. 
Um, so it's all through the, the school district. I believe it's an impact fee. Impact fee. Okay, that's Correct. what I was looking yeah. for. Cool. Great. I'm a teacher, so I approve. Board Member Sanderson. So it seems there were more units that could have been built through density bonus than you chose to build. That's fine. But I'm wondering if, um, but the height, you're at the height that is allowed with density bonus? No. Um, well, with the density bonus, we could go higher. We had actually proposed it originally in SB 330 as a six-story building. Uh -huh. That's what I thought um, I read somewhere. Yeah, yeah, both to reduce for the neighbors, the shadows. And then on top of that, the current cost of constructing with a concrete podium <gasps> is too much. And so we reduced it so it's an all-wood building to five I stories. See. Because I was wondering if you could pull the building back from the the west side and put some more mass on the street, but that would trigger the sixth story and Correct. that would and trigger this um, the concrete code. on the first floor. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Any other questions? Go ahead, board member Khan. I, th I think I must have misunderstood you uh, when you were doing your presentation. What is the height of the building? 62 feet, I believe. 63 feet. 63 feet. So I looked at the section. It looks more like 55 to me because you've got a 10, roughly a 10-foot floor to floor for your top four floors and 14 for the bottom floor. So that's 54 plus the parapet, like 58 maybe. Yeah, I think I think that is we're measuring from the lowest point. So Webster. Okay, we're got it. From lobby. Got it. Thanks. Um, by the way, thanks for the uh, redesign. I'm curious if you could just speak to the status of the redesign, given that now that we see the image here, and is this image or does this image become part of, well, I mean, it's a bigger question, of what we approved this evening as part of a public presentation, or are we just getting flashed an introduction to the image of an idea at which you'll then return for final design review. Now, our understanding was that this is kind of a, a preview just to know we've heard the commissions and, and the public and that we'll be going back to the RC. Got it. And that's the, in the, in the conditions that you have to come back for final to DRC anyway, with the recommendations and the conditions from DRC already getting a nod from board member Gaffney who's on DRC and chairman. Uh, board con. Thank you. Okay. I don't have any other questions. Any questions from the board? Board member Tregu. So um, this is the first time I think in recent memory, I don't remember Kelly or Aaron here. And naturally, um, usually the comments that they would make is about board safe class, which as you know, the council just adopted board safe glass requirement, um, which of course doesn't apply to you since you've gotten in, you know, before implementation. However, are you open to using board safe glass for the first 75 feet of the project? I can actually, we have a slide on kind of how we're handling some of those things that were part of the ordinance, even though we aren't required to it. So give me a second or I'll find it. That'll be great. Thank you. Okay, so 
our facades are less than 50% glazing. Um, we are proposing windows with both muttons and mullions, which help reduce the glazing as well. Um, all of our residential windows are operable and will feature screens. Um, the vegetation and awnings at the ground floor glazing kind of provide that texture and shadow. And then all of our amenity and commercial spaces will have light sensors. So the lights will turn off so they won't be on at all times. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. You were ready for the bird safety question, weren't you? <laughs> thank you. Okay, any other questions for the applicant? Board member Young. Um, amazing design. I'm a big fan of buildings that get away with not overly articulating the facade and adding undue cost. Um, I saw that the facade will include LED lights. And you know, something I've just been thinking about recently as I bike around at night is, you know, the color of LEDs really does make a difference in the feel of a building. And I was just wondering, this is so nitpicky, but like, do you know what color the LED lights will be? <laughs> okay. Do you want colored? Because we can do color. I, I don't even want to include this as a recommendation, but just like <laughs> warm tones are great. They've come a long way. <laughs> LEDs are so advanced. Any other comments or questions for the applicant? No? Seeing none, then we'll open this to, a, uh, to public comment. Uh, I've got... One, two, three, four, five, six green cards here for public comment in person. And anyone online wishing to speak, if you could raise your hand now, uh, then I can see who you are and check check how many there are. And normally what we've done in the past here is if we've got 10 or so uh, people wishing to speak, we will limit public comment to one minute. And so I think given the time right now and given the number of hands that I'm seeing online that wish to speak, as well as the number of cards, we're going to limit public comment to one minute. Uh, I'll begin with uh, those that are, that are here in person. And uh, I'll let you know when you have uh, 10 seconds left. I'll sort of raise my hand. And I will begin with David Mendelson and then Andrew Fox, Michael Bradley, John Steer, Julian Phillip, and then Tim. That's the order for in-person. So David Mendelson, if you are here, please stand up, come on up to the podium and welcome. Thank you. Am I audible? I hear you, yep, go okay. for it. Yep, I can hear you. Um, so thanks for taking my comment. Uh, I just wanted to um, uh, Express that I hope I hope the uh, board will be sympathetic to this project uh, and uh, accept the staff recommendation. Um, as we know, we have a desperate need for housing in Berkeley, and um, and I expect there will be a lot of talk about um, the emphasis on bicycle parking as opposed to car parking. And so I hope the the board will be sympathetic to that as well. Um, we are in a climate emergency and i think that uh you know really seeing if we can make that shift and take it seriously uh away from automobiles is is going to be vital for the next 5 10 20 years of development in berkeley so that's it and thanks for taking my comment thank you david 
Okay, next we have Andrew Fox. Come on down. <clears throat> uh, good evening. Thanks for having me. I am the uh, president of the Homeowners Association at 3046 Telegraph Avenue, which if you look at the map is precisely two doors down from this development. And uh, we are a very young HOA, which is to say most of uh, our homeowners are millennials. Uh, I'm proud to say we're also a very racially diverse HOA. And we love living in this neighborhood and are um, troubled by the fact that very few people like us can afford to live in this neighborhood. We're all very fortunate and very privileged to have been able to buy, buy homes in this stretch of Telegraph Avenue. And the reason that's so uncommon for people of our age and socioeconomic status is because of the crippling housing crisis that's brought about just by a limitation on the number of homes that are built in our neighborhood. This project is so essential um, to address that crisis and to address the transportation needs of this neighborhood. As someone earlier noted, uh, Telegraph Avenue is a major thoroughfare. We're a stone's throw from BART. If you want to do something about getting people out of their cars and into public transit. This is a great place to build. Um, oh, and I guess my time is up, so I'll end there. But but I do hope that you approve this project as quickly as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. I just want to say I appreciate everyone who came with pre-made comments. It's great. And I, you might have pre-made it for two minutes. So then I want to thank you again for making it one minute. You're awesome. Michael Bradley, you're next. Hi, board members. Uh, Michael Bradley here, a 40-year resident from Washington School through Berkeley High. I support this project. Um, I have a degree in architecture. I was a city planner for the city of Oakland for 15 years. I think the design is appropriate on one of our major corridors. We have a surface parking lot now at the site. It would be great to see an infill development here. Um, I like the courtyard feature in the front that's very community-oriented. Um, I like the massing, the design. I do like uh, the recommendations that Charles presented at the design review board. Um, uh, the color changes are very appropriate as well for the site. So thank you. What year, Berkeley High? Nine, six. Me too. I knew you looked like you're my age. <laughs> Next, Julian Phillip. Hi, Welcome. Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, my name is Julian Philippe. I'm um, a resident two doors down from the project uh, with my wife and our two daughters. Um, I just wanted to say I was uh, in favor of the uh, DRC recommendations for the uh, design updates. And I appreciate that developer uh, is open to making changes to accommodate for the, the neighborhood um, and how the building fits within the neighborhood, particularly the uh, the residents that are on the west side. Uh, one concern that I haven't seen addressed uh, yet from our personal concerns uh, is about shading. So we are two doors down uh, on the west side, uh, which means that our house will basically be in the shade uh, every every single morning, basically. Uh, and I understand the constraints that the developer is working with, you know, with the uh, the uh, the difficulty to uh, move some of the massing further towards the avenue. Um, however, I encourage the developer uh, to to look into ways to uh, perhaps enable some step downs and uh, maybe increase the step uh, the step uh, uh, the step back uh, mm -hmm. 
um, uh, for one, one idea that we had is that we, we understand that there are some very large units uh, in, in this building. If some in those units were reduced a little bit in size, uh, perhaps that would allow to maybe reduce uh, some of the massing on the west side or increase the, the, the setbacks. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, last, we have Tim Rooney. Hey, good evening, guys. I'm here to encourage you all tonight to approve the project as proposed with the conditions uh, that the uh, design review committee um, has incorporated into the project. I think everybody has hit on the buzzwords, but objectively, this is exactly the type of project we need. It's infill, no parking, access to transit, walkable. What, what more are we trying for, guys, as urbanists and planners here? Um, I'd also you know, just point out that anybody who has really truly looked at the unit mix or studied the plans can see this, this is geared to be affordable by design. These are small units. The larger floor plans are meant to be shared. And I think that's important to consider. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay, so that's it for in-person public comment. We're going to go now. I'm sorry, we've got a hand right there, but I didn't get a green card from you yet at this time. Oh, maybe we do. Well, of course you can speak. So please come on and speak. I just I just wanted to apologize for, uh, maybe I, I'm sorry if I missed it. It's okay. Yep. Um, <clears throat> uh, members of the Zoning Adjustments Board, my name is John Sear. I'm a longtime environmental city planner, 40 years. Also founder of Livable Berkeley and uh, Berkeley Partnership Parks. And, the uh, chair of the House and Neighborhood Association. Um, I'm not here to support or oppose the project. I want to just note that the project really turns its back on the neighborhood, which it's part of, which is true of a lot of TOD projects here. And we're really promoting here in our recommendation letter, our comment letter, which I really encourage you to read, which are, is largely reflected in the DRC comments as well, that it had neighborhood-friendly uh, um, de design considerations as we have recommended. And I just want to highlight those here because the fact that there does it turns us back in the neighborhood is really serious because this affects both our experience as longtime members of the neighborhood looking at a building. My live across the street, by the way, from from the proposed building, which shade my house too. Uh, but anyway, I would like to highlight three three recommendations that were made in our, our guidance document. Require the standard sidewalk be reduced to five feet on the on the on the north side of the building so that you can have more plants and you can also not have to avoid the the ten foot setback. Uh, after you tear down the after you tear down the three buildings here, uh, use the additional seven feet of sidewalk on either side for planting additional trees, vines, shrubs, and for the uh, and for the LID that is to say the rain gardens, which are now on the south side, which should be on the north side uh, for that purpose. Then use warm earth tones, not white or necessarily bright blue as is currently shown in the revised, but have warm colors that are more consistent with the neighborhood itself. And um, these visual mitigations will benefit both the existing and future residents. And I should also note that our neighborhood association created a lot of what the, the, the new neighbors will experience. The park, Housing Commons made a parking lot in Housing Commons. That's in our, my, our letter that Nancy and I submitted. She's the co-chair of the neighborhood association. Also showed you the gateway of the neighborhood on Webster Street that I built with neighbors as well 25 years ago. Yeah, so these are an, an 120 street trees that we planted over the many years. We have 600 residents in our neighborhood association, and we are very constructive. We don't get we propose projects. We don't propose projects. We just comment on them in this case. So I just want to encourage you. I just want to just finalize here with 
uh, reiterating what Nancy Carlton also said, that good design elements of the building that acknowledge and honor the neighborhood context are among the best ways to mitigate the negative effects of large buildings like the you see here. And as the massive project request concessions from Berkeley and from our and from residents here who have to live with those changes, um, I urge you to issue the permit only if you include conditions to mitigate the negative impacts to ensure that it has more neighborhood friendly design on its neighborhood facing neighborhood facing sides of Halston and Webster. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so that is a public comment. Board member Jagu. Sorry, John, can you come back? I have a question for you. Um, can you explain the sidewalk recommendation? Because typically we hear from folks that would like the sidewalk to be widened, no. and you're saying make it more narrow. So yeah. how would that activate the walkability? I'll answer your question. I'll also refer the whole board to comment letter by Nancy Carlton in your packet, and as well as mine. So the reason we want to keep it keep the existing sidewalk width of five to six feet, which is appropriate for a residential side. You have 12 feet on the, on the telegraph side, and that's where the whole project's being focused on. You don't have any pictures of what it, where it's next to in the neighborhood, which is smaller houses. Five feet is appropriate for that because that's the neighborhood context, neighborhood friendly design. Plus, it will give more room uh, for plants. And the fact that you are having to wave, you're being asked to wave the 10 foot, 10 foot setback will give you seven, seven feet more back by doing that. And then we'll allow for more plants, which will provide a gradual access or gradual transition from the blooming building into the neighborhood by softening the experience of that building with additional plants and an additional setback. What is it? It's not an additional setback, it's just setback from the sidewalk. Thank you. Okay. That's it for. Um, Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to miss Martin during the presentation, but the sidewalk on Webster has always been five feet with a planting strip both in front of it. So goes road, planting strip, sidewalk, and then there's actually additional planting behind the sidewalk. The only location that it is a little wider is around the corner. So it basically transitions where the telegraph over and around. Um, and the reason for the no landscape strip there is just the ability. I think they um, wanted access for the garbage and possibly some other things. So that's really where that it doesn't have the landscaping, but the rest of it has always had a landscape strip. So if you look at L1, you'll see that um, it has the landscaping there. Um, I think one of the comment letters had mentioned at the, you know, there's a small rain garden on Halcyon that they mentioned that across the street, that's where we should start the five foot uh, sidewalk, but that's actually further down and not our controller property. So Thank we you. do have a planting strip. Board Member Trigger, does that answer help clarify your question? It does. Um, and I would like to encourage that you know, we hear from members of the public right now and then have the applicant come up later to respond. Sounds good. Okay, so no more uh, in-person comments. We now have uh, one, two, three, four, five hands from the public. We'll begin with Sarah B and then Paul Bickmore and then John D. Sarah B, you are allowed to talk. Welcome and you have one minute. 
Hi, thank you so much. Um, my name is Sarah Bell and I'm a Berkeley resident. And I'm here today to speak in favor of granting approval for this project and to ask that no further requirements, restrictions, or delays be imposed on the project. That means no step downs, no setbacks, no studies. Please just approve it as is. This project is praiseworthy in so many ways. Um, we've been hearing about it tonight. It's use of timber, it's lack of parking, it's natural affordability, it's explicitly BMR units, it's contributions to community funds, it's retail space right down to a freaking mural. This project is a veritable boon to the neighborhood. Um, I really cannot understand what more we could be asking or what more we could be desiring in a project. Um, what's more, the location is exactly where we need housing. It's infill, it's replacing low efficiency uses of the space, it's near the university, near the hospital, a grocery store, and of course, transit. So I'll be blunt, we desperately need the project. We need it yesterday. Let's approve it quickly and unblock it now and at every step of the way. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next we have mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Paul Bickmore. Welcome. Uh, hello. Um, thank you. Um, um, I'm calling uh, in support of uh, approving this project. Um, I think that uh, this is exactly what we need. Uh, the fact that um, there's no parking is chef's kiss for real. I mean, um, you know, adding parking is essentially discriminatory for people who can't afford cars. And it's pretty much, you know, just inviting uh, more pollution and, and um, things that hit people and injure and kill them. So um, uh, let's get more housing built, especially um, next to transit in a grocery store and um, especially with no parking. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Next we have John D and then Pramit Gupta and Cindy after that. Actually the order just changed, but John D you're next. Thank you, my name is John Dalrymple. Um, I'm I'm speaking for several dozen Berkeley residents who make their living as construction workers. Um, we're very concerned about this. The project, you know, I take a position for or against the project, but we are for is the stopping the exploitation of construction workforce in, in Berkeley. We presented to the city and, you know, the history of what's been happening in terms of workers being paid 60% of the AMI, not having healthcare coverage, um, unsafe conditions. And because of that, a hard head ordinance has been uh, passed by the council to be enacted. This, this developer has refused to meet with us. Uh, they've refused to meet with us in, in Oakland. Uh, we've made repeated requests. We can only assume it's because they want to go the low road in construction and, 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 and have a practice where they will not be paying the area standard wages, not family supporting wages, not have workers with health care coverage in the construction project because it's cheaper. Uh, the CEO of the company bragged recently in, a, uh, in the last few months of being able to do 21% return on these projects to investors, uh, which is very healthy. Um, but that's at the expense of the construction workforce. So we'd ask them to inquire, why are they refusing to meet? Why can't they just have a discussion about how they intend to promote, uh, to fulfill some of the, uh, what, what the, this, the city has clearly said is that they want to see apprentices, they want to see family supporting wages, um, and they want to see local workers help build the project. Thank um, you. Thank you. I just like to say that your time is up and I, I appreciate your comment. Thank you, John D. 
Okay, next we have Cindy. Cindy, you've got uh, one minute. Welcome. Hi, I am so excited to hear that um, housing for workforce is being built. I think this is a perfect project located in the perfect location to take advantage of transit. Um, I think that the developer has gone above and beyond to create a beautiful facade and a mural um, that I think really belongs in Berkeley. Um, it also really makes me happy to hear that they will be using solar panels. Uh, they are also using wood frame instead of concrete. Um, I think that this project is the poster child of what developers should be building for a sustainable and green future. So I hope that you can support this project. Thank you, Cindy. Okay, we all next we have Pramit Gupta. Welcome. Hello, thank you for allowing me to present my comment today. Hello. I have been a Berkeley resident ever since I moved to the United States uh, to attend uh, UC Berkeley as a graduate student. I moved here with my family uh, and I have had to face a lot of challenges because the university village that UC Berkeley provides is about five and a half miles away from the campus in Albany. Uh, so I am very encouraged to see uh, student housing project with two beds and uh, larger sized units being proposed right on the node of transit on south side of the campus. And I feel what I had to go through a few years ago looking for uh, housing for my family as a graduate student at UC Berkeley, future students who come to the university would not have to face, face such issues. So I request the board to consider the project and give it an approval and go ahead. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, we've got the last speaker, Max. Max, you are allowed to speak. Welcome. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Sorry for being late to raise my hand here. Um, I was calling in in strong support of this project. I think the the state of housing availability in Berkeley is such that if we can find a site such as this that currently has and offers very little housing and can infill it with not only housing, but affordable housing, we should jump on that with open arms. Um, the developer has clearly taken a lot of strides to provide a building that fits in well with the neighborhood and um, they're providing public art. And I think it would be a great addition to the uh, Telegraph corridor. Thank you. Thank you, Max. <clears throat> Seeing no more hands, uh, all those in favor on the board of closing the public comment period, say aye. Um, all those against, say no, nay. No. Oh, I'm that sorry. doesn't preclude the applicant from being able to respond. Oh, thank you. To come back Great. Up. Thank you so much. The applicant now has two minutes. You've got two minutes to jump in. And please, if you could illuminate any or clarify anything, given the, what you've heard, it would be wonderful. So thank you. Welcome. And I apologize for that, for forgetting you. No, no worries. And sorry for jumping in earlier. I thought we were done with the public comment. So um, I don't think we have any other comments besides, you know, I did want to clarify that sidewalk. Um, we're really excited to be in Berkeley. And like, you know, a lot of the speakers said, we're 
trying to build flexible housing, keep the construction costs lower so we can provide it at a price that people can afford. So that's what I have. Um, we can definitely still answer any questions as well. Thank you. I have a question, sorry. We have a question from board member Luna Parra. Um, I'm curious if you have a response to the um, the group that was, the person that was talking about the union labor um, In, and meeting meeting with the with the union unionized I, yeah mm -hmm. the construction worker yeah yeah the construction worker sure um i don't know who else he's contacted at our company he did contact me on monday i did not have a chance we unfortunately had a death in our office um so this week's been a little tough um so we haven't had a chance to contact him back I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Board member Tregu. Oh, if you can. Oh, we got another sorry. question for you. Another question. Um, yeah, and I'm really sorry for your loss. Um, I, you mentioned that um, you are working with the design review committee um, to address any remaining comments on design. Uh, could you talk about just kind of what what are the remaining issues um, and that remain that need to be addressed um, and uh, what is the process you're taking to address them prior to final design review? Um, I think we're we are working to address all of the comments. I think some of the ones that um, were mentioned tonight, we are adding other screens onto the rear of the building. We've added some additional kind of articulation on the front. Um, we worked on, there were some comments about the landscaping feeling too commercial on the front side of the building. So we've worked to kind of bring that into a more residential feel. Um, some additional planting and screening on the west side for the neighbors. So we've looked at reducing some of the internal sidewalks to get some trees to buffer directly against the neighborhood. Um, we did do a bunch of kind of various color kind of alternatives too that we've reviewed internally. And I think a lot of that will kind of flush out with when we go back to the PRC. Um, so uh, quite a few things, there's kind of the, the big picture of privacy things and then kind of the architectural color things. Thank you. Um, and then uh, just one final question for me. I think you've you've addressed why you can't um, add massing to the front to reduce it um, on the neighborhood facing side. That uh, that makes sense to me. Um, what you said are um, short of you know we've and just a general comment for the public. But state law precludes us from approving something at a lower uh, lower number of units, different unit plan than what is proposed as long as all other objective standards apply, which I think they do here anyway. Um, but the neighbors understandably have a concern and I'm wondering if there is any, any other um, Recourse, um, any other options that you're considering around articulation, just um, anything that might um, uh, change the massing without changing the unit size or the unit count? 
I think we did look, there was a suggestion to turn one of the units and I think we figured it out that it, where it was actually providing any screening, it wasn't, we weren't adding anything to be able to screen versus being able to put the kind of trees on the other side of the, kind of, you'll see the access walkway. Um, and then I think otherwise any kind of reduction of the massing on the back would, would reduce units, which we can't do. And I'll, I'll add that I, I think a lot of that, the study of reducing the height to try to lower the mass was kind of done preemptively where we dropped the sixth story for various reasons. But then we also looked at kind of tightening up the, there was kind of a two-part reduction where we lost a story and then we looked at tightening up the plate heights um, to kind of lower it again another, it was like three foot 10. So kind of from the SB330 application to now we're about almost 14 feet lower in height. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so if there are no more questions for the applicant, then also we can now, all those in favor of closing the public comment period, say aye. 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 Do we need a motion? I'll, I'll make a motion. I'll second. We've got a motion to close the public comment period. All those in favor, say aye. 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 All those against, say nay. Okay, so the motion passes. The public comment period is closed. We do have a nine o'clock captioners break. So we've got two minutes before that. Board member Trigger. I'm going to, well, we'll we'll see if we, I mean, if we need more discussion, absolutely. But I'm gonna preemptively make a motion to approve this project with um, no additional conditions, the following recommendations. Um, first, uh, that the, um, we recommend that the hard hat ordinance be implemented as proposed by the council. Number two, um, reinforcing the recommendation, well, just their conditions by, um, the design review committee. I'd like to take an extra step and make a recommendation that the um, applicant continue to work on all outstanding uh, uh, design review committee recommendations prior to um, final design review, including the three recommendations um, included in supplemental item number six, page nine from Nancy Carton, the paint color warm earth um, for ground floors. I'm not gonna, for time, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Um, number two, planting tall narrow trees. Number three, trellis or arbor above the fence line to further soften the building's edge as visible, walking along Halcyon Court from the park. Um, and lastly, um, recommendation to evaluate the um, planned board safe measures against the board safe ordinance um, as passed by the council this week and conform as needed. So that's it. Okay, well, it is, it, well, is there a second? I have a question first. Should I wait? Go ahead. <laughs> um, a couple, I don't remember which meeting it was, but um, we either recommended or um, required that the the developer meet with neighbors. Was that a, a condition of approval or was it a recommendation? I don't remember. Okay. 
um, then I make a friendly amendment that we add a recommendation that the developer meets with um, the construction worker labor group as well. Yeah, um, ab absolutely. And we can include that as part of the hard hats um, ordinance that they also meet with applicable um, interested parties within the construction, the building and construction trades. Okay, whether there's a second or I second. not. Yes, I second. Are you second? Yes. Okay, so there's a second with a friendly amendment. It's nine o'clock. We need a captioner's break. We're going to do that. We got 10 minutes and I'll see you back. All right?
Okay, everybody, I would like to welcome you back to <laughs> the Zoning Advisory Board meeting of the evening. It's 9.15. I gave you an extra four minutes. Come grab a seat. We have a motion on the floor. Welcome back. We have a motion on the floor and a second. And now it's time for us. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for your patience this evening. Uh, we have a motion on the floor and a second. And now it's time for us to discuss the motion. Board Member Sanderson. Um, I have a lot of trouble with the recommendation that this project um, comply with a hard hat ordinance. Um, it's another cost on housing. The ordinance, as I understand it, is going to have a feasibility study and they'll come back and change elements, amend it based on the feasibility study. My preference is you do the feasibility study, you understand the cost impact on housing, then you adopt an ordinance. So I think it's backwards. So um, I, I just can't, given how much this particular applicant has tried to reduce cost um, so that we can build the housing, I have a lot of respect for the way they have approached this, and I don't think it's fair to give the impression that we're recommending that now they their con construction costs are going to change. Um, it just seems not fair, and it's, it seems to be punishing housing projects that are really trying to keep the costs low so they can build. So um, the other thing I wanted to say and it's not related to that, is I wanted to thank the, the, the residential community around this building for their very thoughtful comments. Mm -hmm. um, usually we would have the room filled with people saying, no, 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 and we have to explain, you know, we can't reduce the density. These were very thoughtful comments, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, I'm sure many of them wish it wasn't going to be there but they, they were very responsible and thoughtful comments. And I, for one, really appreciate that. That's all. Thank you, Board Member Sanderson. Any other discussion? Um, in light of Debbie's comment, I'd like to suggest a friendly amendment to the motion that modifies the rec hard hats recommendation, doesn't eliminate it, but simply states that if the developer is able to still deliver the project for the middle income earners as is their intention and as they've historically done. And they can do that with a training program such as the hard hats uh, requires, not yet, but it will be requiring it next year. Uh, that would be great. And I would recommend that because I do think we need training programs. We all know that in order to bring the cost of housing down. Yeah, but, uh, but I'm with you, Debbie, that if they have to do the, the expense of providing these middle-income units, that's something I wouldn't uh, personally recommend they do or, or support, so. Igor, uh, do you accept the friendly amendment? Yeah. Um, I'm friendly to that. And I think since you need specific language, um, it would be a recommendation that, um, to the extent feasible, the applicant will follow the intent of the 
hard hats ordinance as opposed by the city council on I think May 7th. Speci that specifically work? not at the expense of providing middle income units. Sure, we can we can add that in. Because that no one's doing that it. would increase your comfort level. Um, and I will just remind um, my colleagues that that I at least the way I understand the ordinance resolution, well, the council resolution, which promulgates the ordinance, but it includes a lot more than just the ordinance. It actually says bring back a feasibility analysis and modify the ordinance as necessary. Um, and because I think this needs to be clarified again, Everything that I proposed on top of the, um, this project is a recommendation. Not a it is not a condition. Um, and then I too echo um, the comments from my colleagues around appreciation of both the applicant and the community for coming together to do something that I think is going to be really important. Um, well, that we know is going to be really important, which is to provide much needed missing middle type middle income housing. Thank you. Any other discussion from the board? Board member Sanderson. So I just have a question on what you just proposed, Charles. Can you can you repeat it? Because it, it just repeat what you said because I'm not sure I understand it fully. That the, uh, it, turn your mic on. That uh, the uh, motion to approve includes among various other recommendations. Um, the recommendation that uh, the provisions of the hard hat ordinance be considered by the applicant and implemented uh, as long as they don't put at risk the ability to provide uh, the middle income housing that they're targeting. So we don't know who's, I mean, they will then be make that decision. We're not going to have anybody yelling at it because they didn't recommendation. do it. They would, it's the rec make that's what that was sort of Igor's okay. point that a recommendation is not a requirement and it's just saying please please think about it okay yeah it's non-binding in fact under any configuration of this recommendation it would still be non-binding yeah thank you for clarifying it helped me any other discussion on the motion no. Okay. Well, then we'll move to a vote on the motion. With 5,000 friendly amendments, and Samantha will actually uh, let us know what we're voting on. <laughs> Thank you. Masterfully, she will, and magically. This is why I have an MFA. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so the um, motion is to approve 3030 Telegraph Avenue with the following recommendations. For the applicant to consider the provisions of the hard hat ordinance and implement, if not at the expense of providing middle housing, work on the outstanding design review recommendations, evaluate bird safe measures against 
um, the ordinance um, to meet with construction workers. And then the also recommendations found in supplemental item number six, page nine, regarding paint color, planting of narrow trees, and a trellis. It should be middle income housing, not just middle housing. Oh, I'm sorry, middle. That relates to the size of the building. So, cool. thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Trigum. Oh, did you, oh. you included bird safe in there, sorry. Yes, to yeah. um, evaluate the bird safe measures against the ordinance. Yes, perfect, aye. Chair Duffy? Aye. Uh, Vice Chair Gaffney? Yes. Commissioner Thompson? Yes. Commissioner Lunapara? Yes. Commissioner O'Keefe? Yes. Commissioner Khan? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. And Commissioner Sanderson? Yes. Okay, the motion passes. 14 days after your notice of decision, if this project is not appealed, you will have your use permit. Thank you, everybody. Okay, next on the agenda, there are no more action items, but we have uh, subcommittee reports and then staff communications. So next, we've got subcommittee reports, design review committee. I can handle that. Um, so the first project we reviewed was this project, 3030 Telegraph. Um, so you all are familiar with that. Um, the second project we reviewed last project or last meeting was 2712 Telegraph Avenue. Um, that's in between Derby and Ward. Um, and it was a preliminary de design review. And we actually had a non-favorable recommendation to SAB. So it'll be interesting to see how it um, how it yeah turns out. I'm sure it'll it'll, it'll turn out great. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, so that's it for subcommittee report. Okay. Any staff communications? There are no staff communications. No staff communications. So I'll make a motion to adjourn. Is there a second? There's a second. Board Member Gaffney. They didn't want to say okay. this part. Uh, to adjourn, Commissioner Trigub. Aye. Chair Duffy. Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Thompson. Yes. Commissioner Lunapara. Yes. Commissioner O'Keefe. Yes. Commissioner Khan. Yes. Commissioner Young. Affirmative. Commissioner Sanderson. Yes. The motion passes. We are adjourned. Thank you, everybody, and thank you to the public for all of your commentary and for your attendance. See you next time. Thank you. <laughs>